Hey, welcome to the Impact Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you like it was to us. Let's go ahead and jump into it. I'm so thankful for you guys. I'm so thankful for this youth ministry. I'm thankful for you guys' commitment to be here on a Wednesday. I'm thankful for a faithful congregation. I heard Pastor Tom say that Sunday, and that stuck with me. The text we read from was in 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. And I want to start this message by encouraging you that I'm going to preach on love tonight, but I want you guys to go home and read 1 John. I don't know of any other book in the Bible where love is mentioned more. I don't have the time in a year to tell you all about God's love. It is impossible. But I want to talk to you tonight about the love of God. 1 John 4, 16. Again, we're in 1 John. Verse 16 in chapter 4 tells us, And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So right off the bat, we understand that God is love. Love is the essence of God's character. His being is love. His character is not hatred. It's not what you've experienced in the world from people. God's character is love. And to break it down even further, the word in the Greek, because we're all Greek scholars tonight, amen, is agape. Self-sacrificial love. Very few of us in this room, if any, have experienced agape love. We all say, I love you to my parents, or we love you to our friends. But should the going get going and your life be on the end of that love, you may decide differently. Peter told Jesus, I love you. But he's the same one that denied him when it came to his life and Jesus's. Agape love is willing to go to the cross for people that might not choose him. This is the kind of love that blows our mind when we finally get a grasp of God's love. It's a kind of love we don't understand because humans can't give us that kind of love. Your wife one day won't give you that kind of love, I, I hope for you. Your husband won't be able to give you that kind of love, although that, that would be great. Your friends can't give you that kind of love. Only one force in this world is capable of such love. And that is found in God himself. God himself went to the cross for you. Your friend didn't, nor would he. I don't care how much he says, he's got your back, you can count on me. He would not go to the cross for you. I don't care what your boyfriend or girlfriend says about how much they love you. They're not going to the cross for you. Only one went to the cross for you. And that is the essence of his character. That kind of self-sacrificial love. What can I point my finger to? Because I need reason, I need logic. If you tell me God loves me, I want to say How can I know that for myself? Everybody else is telling me God loves me and God cares for me. Where can I know that for myself? What can I point my finger to and say, this is evidence of God's love? Well, again, in 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 through 10, he gives us the answer. God gives us the answer to where we know that he loves us with this agape love. John pins to his church 
In this, the love of God was manifested. In this, the love of God was seen. In this, the love of God was made evident to the world. Toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world. That we might live through him. That because of his death, I might live. He died so I could live. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he first loved us. Come on, that's love. That, that's the kind of love that doesn't wait for somebody to scratch their back before they reciprocate it. That's the kind of love that says, I will initiate it. I will step out. I will take the cross. Before you wanted me, before you desired me, before you knelt at an altar and prayed and accepted me into your heart, I died for you. That is the kind of love that I can point my finger to and say, okay, God really does love me. Young person, if you're questioning if whether or not God loves you, I want to let you know it might be that you will question the love of a parent, the love of a loved one, a relative, a friend. But don't ever question the love of God. Because I can point my finger to the scripture and say, this is the ultimate display of love. When my friends forsook me, when my parents who were supposed to raise me loved, abandoned me and abused me, I can point my finger to the word of God and find that in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only exclusive there wasn't another Jesus waiting around in heaven to see if this Jesus didn't work out. It was the only begotten of the Father, the only Son, the only chance for humanity, the only route to redemption, the only door in which we can find peace for our souls, offered himself for you out of love. The old song sing, it wasn't the nails that held him to the cross. It was love. It was love. So I want to tell you, young person, that God's love for you is perfect. It is perfect. There is no illustration I could give you tonight, although I've tried. I thought to myself, what can I do tonight that could illustrate to this crowd of young people who've experienced different types of love in their life, how could I illustrate to them God's love? And to me, it was an illustration of the fact that I can't do anything to replicate the love of God. I can't bring something out, a parade of Valentine's Day hearts and a, a marching band to illustrate God's love. I can't do anything to supplement or to try to show you even a fraction of God's love toward you. Because His love is perfect and we are imperfect. Oh, but come on, I know of a perfect love. And He has shown that to me. Come on, has he shown anybody the perfect love of the Father? Amen. 1 John, again, chapter 4, verses 18. The Bible tells me that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. That verse used to make me scratch my head and say, what does love have to do with fear? And then I begin to think about relationships that I have had in the past in my life. And because they were imperfect, I always thought, is this person going to betray me? What's that called? That's called fear. Fear is brought, about, brought upon us because of a threat to our safety. 
Not just your physical safety, your social safety, your mental safety, your circle, whatever world or bubble that you are living in right now, if anything was to threaten to pop that bubble of the life that you live and enjoy, that would cause fear. So when a love that you have is imperfect, you begin to fear, are they eventually going to think bad of me? Are they eventually going to think I'm not good enough for them? They say they love me today, but I am unsure if tomorrow they'll say the same thing. But God's love is perfect. So it casts out all fear. I don't have to worry, Brother Nick, if it's not going to be good enough for me one day. I don't have to worry if God is going to stop loving me tomorrow. I don't have to worry if I mess up too many times that Jesus will finally have the last straw with me and say, I'm done with you. I don't love you anymore. But his love is perfect. It is perfect. I don't have to worry. Does God love me today? Oh, the devil's a liar. He'll make you think that if you wake up late for school, God stopped loving you. But I want to convince you tonight through the word of God that God's love for you is perfect. It's never going to change. You are safe in God's love. You are protected in God's love. You are secure in God's love. He's never going to cheat on you, though we've cheated on him. He's never going to stop being faithful to you, though we're unfaithful to him. He's never going to relent from loving you. Amen. There's something called Stockholm Syndrome. And it originated in Stockholm, I forget which country it is, you guys could probably tell me, Sweden, where robbers broke into a bank and held captives and hostages for six days straight. When the cops finally broke in to rescue them, the hostages defended the perpetrators and were wounded trying to protect them. They were trying to protect the very people that they held captive. So psychologists and psychiatrists came up with a term called Stockholm Syndrome. What that means is there is a, a trauma and an emotional bond between an abuser and an abusee to the point where the abusee loves the abuser. Though they do them harm, though they do them wrong, though they abuse them mentally, verbally, I don't, whatever it may be, they will defend them and love them. The psychology behind this is that there is a certain elation and joy from breaking somebody down and building them up, breaking them again, and giving them the affirmation, take a step up again and breathe a breath of fresh air. They find joy in that that keeps them coming back. That's how we are with the world. Friend, you've got Stockholm Syndrome with the world. The world tells you it loves you but beats you up the next day. Says you're ugly. Look in the mirror. You don't look like that girl. He's never going to like you. Can I get teenagerish right now? Because I know what you guys go through. You think, oh, my friend hasn't talked to me today. I must be out of his circle. And, 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 and all of a the sudden they come back and say, come on, buddy, let's hang out. And it gives you this joy and this affirmation and you feel secure and love. Then the next day they beat you up again. That's how the world operates. When you thrive off of the love of the world, it will beat you up yet you will stay with it because just a little fraction of affection and love will keep you right where you are as a hostage 
to this world. Do you understand that you are a hostage if you are in love with the world? The Bible tells me that if you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. You are a hostage. You want to escape, but you can't because those little moments of elation, those little moments of affirmation, those little moments of, of, of that relationship that, that, that feeds you one second and the next minute is starving you. Stockholm Syndrome. But I read in Romans chapter 8, verses 38 through 39. For I am persuaded, is anybody persuaded tonight? That neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Come on, if it's got a name, it can't separate you from the love of God. If you can name a thing, it cannot separate you from the love of God. Friend, the only thing separating you from the love of God is the distance you've walked from Him. His love has always been present. It has always been there. But you are not in contact with that love because you are walking into the world. But I'm here to tell you tonight that nothing can separate you from the love of God. You can't earn more of God's love because if you could, it would say that the cross was not enough. He can't love you less. You can't do anything to make God love you less because if you did, it'd be slapping Jesus on the cross in the face saying it's not good enough because I can love somebody less. But I'm here to tell you tonight, though friends may change, relationships may change, the world may change, but friend, the cross will never change. And the cross tells me that nothing that can happen to me will tell me God does not love me. The cross is a, the nexus of my life. It is the center of everything that we're doing in Impact Youth Ministry. Because only there is an unchangeable, unshakable love. Come on, somebody. You're relying too much on the love of the world, the love of a friend, the love of a loved one. I don't care what it is. You put too much stock in man. But I'm here to tell you tonight that should you decide to accept the love of Christ, he has already loved you before you ever loved him. It's just time to take him up on his offer. God cannot love you more and he can't love you less. Love was perfected at Calvary. There's never been before and there will never be after a greater love than the love of Jesus Christ. The love of the Father that he has for you. The effect of God's love. If the love of God does not produce in you a love of man, friend, you have missed the point. God loves us. And when we I remember when I first got saved and I accepted and I felt the love of God cleanse and wash over all of my sins by the blood of Jesus. I remember getting up and people I didn't even know, I wanted to hug, I wanted to cry with them, I wanted to tell them I loved them and that I'm, that, 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 that I'm so happy to see them and all of this crazy stuff and I never knew them. But the love of God birthed in me a love for my fellow man. And friend, if you don't love your fellow man, friend, you've never experience the love of God. Because when you experience that kind of love, there is nothing else you can do but to try to reciprocate that. It's contagious. God's love is contagious. I want to be around people that love God. I want to be around people that live and walk in the love of God. 
because they will love me. Amen. I don't want to be around people that take the word of God and use it to abuse people. I want to be around people that show the love of Jesus, that love their neighbor as thyself. Because upon this, the whole law and the prophets stand. 1 John chapter 4, again, 1 John. Go and read that, that book in the Bible. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God's love must produce a love for one another. Friend, if it hasn't, you have not been perfected by the love of Christ. You have not experienced and traded your life for Christ at the cross if you do not love your brother. So we've been saying our motto, love is my offense. 1 Corinthians chapter, one, or chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a tinkling brass and a sounding cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. And then we end that chapter with the verse that we've started with. And Paul says, let these three abide. Faith, hope, and love. Can I tell you tonight that without love, faith and hope cannot operate. If I have not love, I can speak in tongues more than anybody. But no, nothing happens. Nobody's blessed. Nobody's encouraged. Nobody's exhorted. I can prophesy till my face turns blue and you can call me Ezekiel. But if I have not love, it will fall on deaf ears. Love is my offense. Friend, you can have the best defense in the world and still be zero to zero with the opponent. At some point, you've got to strike. At some point, you've got to go on the aggression. At, you can't just box somebody and hold your guard up the whole time. The judge is going to call a stalemate, and you're going to lose the round. Friend, we're not just defensive Christians, but we are all offensive Christians. This is the kingdom of God, and the kingdom suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. What is that force? It is the greatest force that God has given his church, and that is the love of Jesus Christ. It's not my scripture knowledge that wins the lost. It's not my Pentecostal pedigree that wins the lost. It's not my church friend group that wins the lost. It's not how well I can preach to win the lost. It's not how well Tori and Will can conduct music that wins the lost. It is when somebody that is lost and broken walks in that door and sits down in a seat and three girls go up to them and say, I am so glad that you're here. You want to know what wins the lost more than a preacher is a Christian who values the love of God. If we're going to win the lost, it's not going to be because I'm preaching on fire. Come on, I've seen people get saved and I flopped on my face. But because somebody showed them the love of God. Come on, how many in here is a product of somebody grabbing you in the back, sitting by yourself and saying, 
Come on, let, pray with me. Come sit with me. You know what you've just done? You have won a place to pray for them. You have won a place to speak into their lives. If you just went up to them and never talked to them, they'd think, who is this guy? Does he really care about me? But when you take the time to show the love of God that you care for them and that every sinner deserves a place at the, at the cross and that God died for them, they are welcome. They are they're more willing to receive the message of the cross. Amen. Are you guys hearing me tonight? I've seen more churches split up over drama, over disagreements, over the most ridiculous things. I've seen churches split up over a wife was angry with some of the, some of the congregants. But as God is my witness... As long as the Lord wills for Faith and I to tenure the youth pastor role, drama is not going to be the end of this youth ministry. You can have drama. You're a teenager. It's going to happen. I want you to know that that does not disqualify the person that you're angry with from receiving the love of God. This is going to be a youth ministry that is built on the love of Jesus Christ. If you walk in those doors, I want you and you and you and you and you to tell them that Jesus loves them. I don't care what they're going through at home. It's the moment they feel the love of God being shown through you. They'll know something's real. This is real. Oh, come on, somebody. I need something that's real. You can preach a message, but if you don't have the love of God, let me tell you something. A preacher never preaches until he reaches Calvary. If you don't preach that, friend, you're missing the mark every single time. Because that, that is the difference maker. That is how the souls are won. Is when people obey scripture, when Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify the Father in heaven. When people obey the scripture that you are the salt of the earth and that the salt loses its flavor, it is good for nothing and thrown out and stompled and trampled. Those people who obey the scripture and say, I am a city that is set on a hill which cannot be hidden. I do have a lamp, but I'm not going to hide it under a bushel. I am going to shine the love of God to win the lost. But friend, can I tell you, it is not your love that wins. The Bible tells me, the Bible tells me in Romans, in Romans chapter 8, verses 37, yet in all things, everybody say all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It was God loving us that causes me to win the victory. It was God loving me that causes me to rise above temptation. Come on, he loved me too much to see me fall. He loved me too much to see me give in to the same demonic spirit every single Friday night. Come on, it is through his love that we are victorious. But I'm telling you tonight. Impact will never function as Christ intended if we do not have love. The kind of love that looks across the room at the, at the person that you've refused to talk to at church and at school and says, I love you. Forgive me. Let me tell you a story. I was at work one time, and I work a secular job, and I'm almost finished. And everybody knows I'm I work in the youth ministry and that I preach and that I'm a Christian because I'm bold about it. I don't, I don't let, you know, code of, code of conduct handbooks at a job keep me from sharing my faith. My book has more authority than their book. Amen? So they know that and they were telling me, they were talking about the church in a bad light and how 
everybody's a hypocrite and how everybody is, you know, not who they say they are and that they're abusive and that, you know, they missed the message. And it kind of made me upset because I felt like they were targeting me and saying that, you know, my faith is futile because somebody gave them the bad rap. And while I was sitting there angry, the Holy Spirit, as clear as day, told me, apologize to her. I said, what? You want me to apologize to her? I wasn't the one who church hurt her. No, but God said, you're the ambassador of Christ on earth. And Jesus would say, I'm sorry somebody hurt you. But you know what I told her? I just smiled through it and I said, I am sorry of the, the experience and the hurt that you have had and experienced in church. But I want to let you know that that does not change the fact that God loves you and would never hurt you. Do you know in that moment I won the influence over her life more than I would if I, if I would have said, don't talk about the church like that. I'm a Christian. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying turn the cheek. I'm saying bless your enemy. Pray for your enemy. Friend, if we are going to be offensive, it is going to be with the love of Jesus Christ. I want this place to be full of soul winners. And I want the souls that come in that you want to turn into soul winners. I don't want a complacent youth ministry where it's me just a talking head every Wednesday. I want to see people changed. I want to see people transformed. And the only thing that can do that is the love of God. And we are the ones to show that. We are the ones to show that. If we could all stand tonight. Thanks for listening. If you were blessed or encouraged, go ahead and subscribe to the Impact Podcast and share it with a friend to bless them too. Connect with us on Instagram at impactym. And remember, you can have as much of God as you want.